Welcome to the With Ingram series of podcasts. I'm Philip Ingram. This is season two, episode four. And today I'm talking to Ellie Hurst from Advent IM. A fascinating discussion. Warning, you might actually learn something. Well, I'm sitting in the Hilton Metropole at the NEC um, with a lovely lady, um, Ellie Hurst from a company called Advent IM. I'll let her introduce herself in a minute. But um, today we're going to talk about cyber security, infosec, business and anything we can get to. My only complaint is I've come out to Security 20 at the NEC today and I did not get a bacon roll. So there's been no bacon harmed in the production of this podcast. This is a bacon free zone. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie, welcome to the With Ingram series of podcasts. Um, Can you, for uh, the listeners out there, introduce yourself and say how you fit into all of this? Okay. Um, I'm Head of Communications and Media for Advent IM, a member of uh, SISEC and also the Security Security Institute. And uh, we have a stand here today um, at Security 20 um, talking about some of our physical offerings, physical security offerings, but uh, we're holistic security consultancy, so we work across the board. Um, And that's basically me. So working across the board, you touch cyber, you touch infosec, you touch physical security and and everything else. Well, and you're interacting with industry on a daily basis. Um, How much does industry get security how much does the people who are at c-suite sitting on the boards who are the decision makers um, really get security well uh, it's an average of averages but uh, i would say some get it absolutely brilliantly and some are some are nailing it they're building um, blended multi-skilled security teams that can work across the board a variety of disciplines you know across infosec and and physical security Uh, but there are plenty that kind of want to do everything from arm's length you know they don't really want to engage with their security professionals I think if they can buy a bit of kit that's going to do it for them they'd much rather do that than actually you know go in their minds down to the basement and have the conversation with the geeks and uh, and, and warlocks that live down there um, <laughs> in some cases can't blame them but in others I think you know they're doing their businesses a huge disservice because actually you know a fish rots from the head down as the Chinese very accurately say and so the, the, the behaviours and um, uh, culture that is built at that level is what you'll see reflected throughout the rest of the organisation. And a casual disinterest in security, um, when it starts at that level, um, that can have you know, disastrous effects throughout the rest of the organisation. So I think uh, the C-suite need to be far more engaged than they are in general. I can well accept that there are those that do it brilliantly. Um, many CISOs don't actually... Uh, sit on the board, so they they have a, a C-suite title, but they don't actually sit um, on the board. And you know, the, the fault for that, I think, is spread equally between um, both camps. That security needs to up its game, certainly in the way it communicates with its its uh, colleagues in the rest of the business, um, and that will in in turn draw more interest and an interaction from the rest of the business and hopefully the engagement of the senior board where it needs to actually be. Now we'll get on to communications in a minute but before we do that one of the issues that I'm seeing uh, with C-suites and all the rest of it is uh, the measurement of success for the security professionals is nothing happens. Mm -hmm. So how do you translate that into uh, business expenditure and business effort terms to get 
those sceptical CEOs or managing directors to actually focus and concentrate on security and realise that actually nothing happens is a good thing? Well, it's, yeah, this is a really tricky one, Phil, because unfortunately being really, really lucky looks very similar to being really, really good. And so this is, this is going to continue to be a problem to try and demonstrate return on investment in security. That's always going to be hard because, as you say, it's a bit like um, many other uh, unsung heroes in business. If you're doing it really well, either everyone thinks it's really easy, like marketing, um, or, <laughs> yes. or they, just, they just assume that everything's fine and they don't need to worry about it. Um, unfortunately, it takes usually a, a, a serious incident to occur. Um, before people start to take it really seriously or something happens in their supply chain if you look at what's happened um, over the last of 18 months to two years the majority of serious breach has actually come through third party third party breach um, and so it's forcing um, businesses to actually look at their supply chain ecosystem um, to try and uh, look at risk to try and risk what's sitting in their um, ecosystem and the threat that it could potentially have on them so those businesses that have embraced things like ISO 27001, for instance, this is old news to them because they've already been doing this um, for quite some time. But for a lot of businesses, it's such a convoluted and complex area that it's something that they kind of shy away from. And again, it will mean more engagement with the warlocks and demons that, that live in the dungeon. So, you know, it's to be avoided at all costs. But getting into the warlocks and demons in the dungeons um, and the security professionals, hey, you lot out there, if you're a warlock and demon, that can be a good thing. If you're not a warlock and demon, that can also be a good thing. Um, but but start, starting to look at them, do you think actually security professionals understand enough about business and how they fit in and can communicate in the way that they need to, uh, to properly engage with that, that, that higher level of management? I think one of the things that the, wor the workforce survey of 2018 came out with was it was a global survey and it looked at um, what employers and uh, recruiters were looking for in terms of security and infosec um, skills and requirements. And they basically said, look, technical skills, this is, this is a given. You know, of course we expect technical skills, but what we need are technical sp skills in people who can communicate with our business, which would indicate to me that actually this is quite a rare breed and there's a reason why it's a rare breed. And if you take a casual glance at InfoSec Twitter, you'll start to see why. Um, because InfoSec is very good at communicating with itself and not quite so good at communicating in the broader sense. And I'm generalizing massively, so everyone who's getting upset with me right now, just calm down, because I'm probably not talking <laughs> about you. But um, if you take, for example, the, the, the whole scale Twitter pylon that happened last week about the West Midlands Police Cyber Roku poster that went up in... Uh, a school in Warsaw, um, it, really, it profoundly depressed me watching my community, the community that I love, get so malicious and nasty and act more seriously unhelpful um, to trying to do something really good. They had an opportunity to do something good and they chose to look as if they were defensive and insecure and had a chip on their shoulder and that, that depressed me. Yes, I know you can say we could do it better, but be part of, of being the better then in that case and find a better way to communicate it because it just made us look petty and small-minded and unhelpful and I don't want to see that we've got a skills gap right we know that we have a skills gap and there are lots and lots of reasons for that that I'm not going to go into now but th this is where we are we need to recruit more um, diverse people of all sorts into our 
security community but is this the way that we're going to attract them because business and and people potentially looking at, at that career themselves are all going to be looking at this kind of behavior and wondering okay so we've been told that infosec wants to um, let's say engage with school-aged children now to try and build a career path to get them into security you're a parent looking at that kind of pylon and thinking is that really what i want my kid to get involved with you're a marketer who's maybe interested in the growing area of marsec which is where effectively i work is that so i'm looking at that and you know two days before the the cyber rocky pylon there was one on marketing, yeah, marketing. the marketing one and i was so disappointed to see people that i knew quite well actually sticking the boot in really horribly um, to my profession which is an established profession and has an established career professional career path you know i'm sorry but <laughs> i'm sorry if you don't like us but you know you're not going to attract people in who can effectively help you with communication who want to support you in communicating with your businesses because if you don't have those skills if you have the technical skills and not the communication skills then you need to be going to your communications team to say look can you help me that i need to do this presentation to the board or i'm building this training pack or whatever it is you need your communications people to help you do that and you're not going to engage, they're not going to want to engage with you if they think, well, actually, I don't see why I should, because clearly you've got no respect for me whatsoever. Yes, I remember watching the uh, Twitter tirade against West Midlands Regional Organised Crime Unit, and, and I was wondering what was going on. The, the poster to me came across as, as brilliant, and then the tirade made me think through why people were getting upset, and I realised that the majority of those that were... Um, complaining about it or trying to undermine it we're thinking of it from their perspective mm -hmm. not from the target audience of the posters perspective mm -hmm. so if I can't remember the tools that they were they put up on it but you know, if, if you've got a 12 year old child who doesn't come from a technical family um, who's got the Tor browser and they're constant in the Tor browser looking at different things on the computer um, it is a good thing to open a conversation with and go, oh, explain what this is about and where, what's going on, which is the message that I got looking at it, Absolutely. which Rocky were trying to put out. Absolutely. Not the um, knock that, you, the, you should be patting the individual in the back because they've got their, their brilliant infosec professionals, they understand what's going on. Um, geeks, it's great for geeks to have all of this on their computers and everything else and it's perfectly normal. But for the average child that's out there who the most complex thing is the latest PS2 or PS3, I, I don't know where they are, I'm showing my age now, um, game that, 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 that's sitting there, um, to have some of these other tools that let you get into different areas of the internet that m have got a lot of unsavoury um, uh, stuff in there is something to not criticise but to open a conversation about. I just think anything that opens a dialogue, Phil, anything that opens a dialogue is really, really important. And you know what, there's something else that we've forgotten. Maybe our kids could be teaching us something. Yeah. There's also that. You know, we can assume that we know everything and that we're very, very clever, but actually kids have got a lot to teach us, and, and I think in this case, most definitely so. Well, and you know, in that, it's, it's interesting. Um, I talk about digital exposure a lot, mm -hmm. and you know, people of our sort of generation, we understand perfectly about physical exposure. We close our curtains in the, the house at night. We close the front door. We lock it at certain times. You lock your car. Um, you screen things off whenever, whenever you're do, doing stuff. You don't do stuff in the local supermarket that you might do at home. Um, however, when it comes to the digital world, mm -hmm. 
people forget about that. They don't seem to do it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a blind spot, and that takes us back to business, actually, because it's, it's kind of like um, if something gets so big and unwieldy and horrible that you kind of you, you, you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to engage with it, you don't want to. Hence, we've got this arm's-length approach to security from business leaders just wanting to let security teams go and do whatever it is that they want to do. And it's kind of, it's almost like a Petri dish now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really I really feel, um, as a communicator and as a communicator in security, I feel very passionately that we really need to kind of smash that a little bit. We need to break it apart. We need to start um, a much more inclusive dialogue. And we need um, people in our InfoSec community that, that actually want to do that. That, that don't behave in that way, that don't want to engage in that kind of activity. When I did, I did um, a workshop up at York in the Cybersecurity Practitioners event a couple of years ago, and I published a white paper on my findings, which was literally just what the people in the room actually said to me. And um, one of the things that they talked about was that they were concerned about the perception of um, InfoSec in general, in business, how people perceived their profession. And you know, the recent events make me think that we haven't really moved on very much since from that point, and that maybe we aren't, we aren't helping ourselves. Because if, if it was something that we're worried about, then you know we really need to worry about about that whole wholesale. You know, the, the whole of our sector needs to think about that. Especially as one of the other things that came out in my findings was that they felt it was really, really urgent that we start engaging with school-aged children. And I wholeheartedly agree. But, you know, then we have to make ourselves an environment that is attractive to the parents and the children who are going to want to be a part of that community. Because as we've established, it's not just about technical skills. It's about a whole range of other things the softer skills that perhaps have not previously been prized that highly are becoming more and more important. Business is recognising it because if you look at the research that Osterman did about three years ago, they looked at how um, the C-suite perceived security and how security perceived C-suite and it was very much a case of never the twain shall meet. It was very much a case of, you know, the board were saying, you know, we don't understand the reports that we get. We don't understand the presentations that they're giving us. It's it's much too technical, and um, you know, so we don't we, we don't engage with that. But then the next question is, so do you understand? You know, are you able to take action upon the? Oh yeah, 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 it's fine. Because there's an unwillingness to to admit that they don't understand to their security people what it is that they've been given. They can't take action upon it. Then that also means that funding is always going to be a problem. Because they're not able, to, because security aren't able to adequately cu to communicate, and as we've already established, demonstrate return on investment in security is very, very hard. So you know there are all sorts of, of um, fences to be built that knock down and bridges to be built there, um, but also the perception back in the same piece of research from the um, uh, from the security professionals back to the board where they're saying you know we know that they don't understand but they won't tell us what it is that they want so we don't know how to change what it is that we're doing to show them what it is that they need and it just feels like there's this chasm in between and it's just oh so frustrating <laughs> so frustrating but but but, it, but it's interesting so we, we've got a percentage of decision makers in business who don't quite understand can't articulate their requirements we've got a um, uh, percentage of professionals that are out there who are fixated on the 
geeky stuff and don't understand how, how to articulate what they can do, what they should be doing, the risks and all the rest of it into, into business. And the bit that's getting wrong between them is this communications piece and then the communications going outside. How do we fix it? We're not going to solve that in four minutes, Phil. I'll tell you that now. Um, I do. I think both sides actually engaging with their communications professionals is is a good place to start because what what it did bring out to me was a message of hope in some regards because it did indicate that they did actually want to. Both groups of people did actually want to. It was just a case of they weren't quite sure how to do it without losing face because face is obviously very important to both groups of people. Um, kudos. Uh, very, very important to both groups of people. So, you know, somewhere the solution somewhere is is in the communication field. I feel it's somewhere in there. Well, as we're both communications professionals, I think um, you're finishing on the you need to talk to your communications professionals and seek a little bit of advice is a, is a, is a, is a good place to sort of end this podcast. Elliot, it's been a real pleasure talking to you as ever. Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Phil. And as a final note, uh, the organisers of Security 2020 did deliver me a bacon sandwich. So well done, Roy Cooper and the team. <laughs>